it is time for another episode. Yes, that's right, listeners. Another episode of Model Railroad Talk. And like always, I am your host, The Bandit. Um, today we are going to be talking about DCC, Digital Command Control Programming Tracks, um, and industry planning, and um, just kind of rambling on. Um, generally, when I do these, I have a target of about 45 minutes, um, you know, actual record time, but it doesn't seem like that happens a lot. So let's get this show on the tracks and move along. All right, so welcome back. We are on episode 11. Um, I can't believe made it to episode 11. Um, the response, the feedback, whatever, I keep talking about this, but I just, I feel you as listeners ought to know that you're the reason why this is continuing to go. Um, our numbers just keep climbing. Thank you, thank you, thank you for those that are sharing this you know whether it be online or telling people about it or just happen to come across it on any of the platforms um like we say all the time we couldn't do this um we wouldn't be doing this without you our listeners um we just recently in fact about um a week and a half ago and by the time this episode comes out it'll be actually two and a half weeks ago um we just recently well i should say we were on we we set up an account on tiktok um we're not really big fan of that whole video platform you know setup that's not what we want to do but we thought well you know we'll go ahead and do do what we can to get the word of the podcast out and so we said, yeah, you know what? Let's go ahead and set up a TikTok account. We did. And um, and then I just randomly did a video, um, just a short video, put it on there, update of um, my layout. And overwhelmingly, like within, I don't know, two or three days, something like that, um, I had, you know, and I know this isn't huge by any means, but I had like 30 or 40 followers and um i was at like seven or eight hundred views on the videos already or the first video and i'm like hmm so later that week and in between that and the next video which was later that week um i had done some updates on the railroad and pretty much got my track finished up on this first phase of the layout so i took another update video and i don't know it was probably three, four days later and my numbers climbed some more. And, um, and then I did basically about a week. This would have been about a week. My third video was a roughly a week after the first video was uploaded. And I mean, within a week or a little touch over a week, I mean, all my videos had over like 12, 1300 views. I mean, as we sit right now, I'm, you know, we're up to like 300 and I don't know, 20 or 330 uh, followers. And, and it's kind of cool to see that that there's that many people that are interested in model railroading or trains, you know, in general. And I mean, I know people are out there, but you just this unfortunately is not a hobby that gets talked about like it did back in the day. I mean, I even remember, you know, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago when I was into it um, before I took this extended break from it. Um, you know, it, it it was still, you seen more hobby shops, you seen more people, you seem to, it was more open. I mean, not that anybody's ashamed of it. It's just, it's kind of, you know, some people call it, it's, it's a hobby that's getting lost or whatever. I don't think it is. I just think with way, unfortunately, society is today. I mean, I understand, you know, you have to be more cautious, watch your back. I mean, we all know that, but you know, I just think society in general anymore, they're, they're not sharing as much personal information, which I don't blame people. I know I try to keep my personal information, um, to myself. 
um, as much as I can. Obviously, doing this podcast, I have to give you guys, you know, a little bit of information about me, and 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 that's fine. But you know, I mean, I just, I don't know. I I, I found it very interesting um, how much growth there is between TikTok, and I even seen an up uh, an up in the numbers on. Um, at least the numbers that are reported to me through the platform I'm using to record this, there was an up uh, uptick in numbers just from the TikTok, um, you know, page and stuff. So, so thank you to all the listeners and now uh, TikTok followers. Um, the TikTok is not going to replace this, um, so nobody worry. Um, and the videos that are promised in like for like the Patreon uh paying members and stuff like that those the, the those are a totally different video those are videos for only our patreon paying supporters um they will not be posted on any social media so anyways let's get moved on to dcc programming tracks um this is um this is something that i see an awful lot get questioned or not the, the it gets asked about programming tracks and stuff like that. Um, like generally speaking and a lot of the groups that I'm in, um, on, on Facebook and, and generally I would say it's probably newer users of DCC, um, you know, that are newer or, um, and I would say just newer users of DCC, not necessarily newer modelers, but, um, you know, well, I, you know, where do I put a programming track or what do I, you know, I'm not sure, you know, how to wire it up, stuff like that. And while what I'm going to kind of explain how I'm doing mine today, um, or how I have my programming track today, um, I am going to be explaining it based off of how I have, you know, my Digitrack system, which I would think, I would assume most, um, systems are going to be identical. You know, they're, you're going to have like the Digitrack system. You've got your, uh, um, you've got your track output that you would go to your bus wires and thus your feeder wires. But then it's also got a programming um, set of leads that come out, you know, the uh, programming A, programming B. Um, and those are, those go to your programming track. So what, like, like I said, what I see a lot of questions are, where do I put, I see this question asked, not, I want to say a lot, but it, it comes up enough that it, it, it caught my attention is where do I put a programming track? You know, I mean, and how much wire is okay. I mean, you know, like the most recent one, the gentleman was asking, okay, Hey, my, um, you know, my, my, uh, power supplier or my, my power, or, you know, his controller, I don't remember what brand it was, um, was, you know, six foot away or something like that. And, you know, as far as wiring, you know, because, he only has, I don't remember what it was, 20, 20 or 24 gauge wiring, stuff like that wire to run to it. And, and so as far as the wiring goes, let's just start there. And mind you folks, you should know this by now, if you've listened to all my episodes, these are my thoughts and opinions. Um, you know, everybody has their own thoughts on stuff. These are what I've found that are tried and true for me. Um, because believe me, I'm a tinkerer, so I've tried a lot of different ways. And like I said, I'm not I'm not going to say this is the only way to do it. Um, this is the best way I found for me. Um, but if if you're going to run, say like a separate programming track, um, you know, and it's going to be my personal opinion, if it's going to be over six foot away, like as far as wire, six foot away from your control unit. Um, I would recommend doing kind of the bus wire, you know, so run the heavier gauge wire. And then when you get over to where your programming track is going to be, whether it's on the layout or off the layout, um, then run your, your feeders. Um, like we've talked about in one of the earlier episodes, one of the first few episodes wiring, you know, you want the bigger, heavier gauge wire carrying the current, the signal, everything. And then basically the feeder wires just pick what it needs off of that. So, um, and 
and I and reading through these forms, you know, I see a lot of a lot of people. They're you know, well, they like they like having a programming track on their workbench because their workbench is in a separate place. Um, if that's the case, and your workbench is say like upstairs or you know in a completely different room, that's kind of a whole nother uh, ball game. Um, if I guess my personal opinion is, if you can financially afford it you know, f- pick yourself up, um, an inexpensive system or like a, like a starter system. And there again, folks, I, I really only know Digitrax. That's what I started out with before. And that's what I'm running now. But I know Digitrax has like the Zephyr system, which is the entry level system. Um, you know, if you can afford it, pick yourself up one of those, put it on your programming track. You can, pro- or I'm sorry, on your uh, workbench. So you can connect it to your programming track and you can, you know, you can do that. Otherwise, like me, my railroad, the height of my bench work and stuff is high enough that I've got, um, it's a, oh, I think it's, I think it's called like a gaming, um, like computer desk. It's not real deep. And I mean, it's maybe four foot wide, I think. Um, and it's on wheels and stuff and it was given to us. And while I was building the railroad and making my, or I should say planning my railroad, I was trying to figure out, okay, I need to figure in here where, where am I going to work on my stuff at? I need a workbench and just happened to, I'd forgotten about it while I was cause everything, when I was putting the walls up, starting the construction, you know, everything was kind of a cluster. And once I got past that initial bulk construction, um, a, it dawned on me and B, I remembered we had this little gaming um, desk, computer desk. So inevitably it works out. It's, it's the right height with my computer chair in the lowest position that I can slide under it. It's not too deep. So when I, when it's slid in, it's far enough back, even with the chair tucked under it, I can still operate the railroad um, without kicking it or anything or getting in the way but then all i simply do is when i'm going to work on something i just wheel it out you know the you know two foot or whatever and i actually put a light uh up under the railroad that stays out of the way uh like a little fluorescent bar if you will to where i can pull it out right under that flip it flip it on and i have um you know my workbench and it's right there by the railroad so i'm not real far away so if i have to you know if there's something i want to test real quick i half the time can just stand up and test it especially if it's a rail car or a locomotive but um but that's besides the point we're not talking about that but um but back on the programming tracks you know if you have a setup like that where your workbench it rolls out or it's or it's permanent or whatever your workbench is under your railroad um that makes it a little easier you know as depending on where your your power supply and your your control system and stuff for your your ECC is, um, you know, if you can set it up to where it's within range, you know, it's simple enough just to run some wires over there and you ha- now have programming track on your workbench. Um, I did this on my last railroad and I did it on this railroad. I, I chose to not have, well, this is kind of tricky when I say this, I chose to not have a separate programming track. Now, when I say that, I mean having a, a piece of track that is, that's all it is, hooked up to programming and, you know, for programming and that's it. Um, in the past, um, my last railroad, I had kind of a little different mentality um, when I came up with this. And I'm not saying this is my idea. There's tons of people that do this. I mean, I read it from somewhere too. I guess when I came up with, the decision or I made my decision to go this route. Let's put it that way. Um, basically long story short on my current railroad, I have, it's a two track, very small engine facility, um, or will be, um, but the tracks are there, um, at the end of my current, my main yard right now. And my longest track there, it can actually hold, um, I think it can hold three, maybe four, depending on the size of locomotives, three to four locomotives on it. And the other siding or the other track, it's going to be basically um, just for fueling and stuff. So it would be able to hold two, maybe two, um, like two SDs, 
locomotives and like a spotter or a switcher or something, you know. But um, but anyways, the longest track I have on there, um, I decided I'm going to make that my programming track, but it's also going to double as an operating track. And a lot of people ask, well, how do you do that? Because you got your programming and, and, and then you tell them, well, you just throw a switch in and, you know, and then, you know, I, and I get, I get, you know, wiring's not for everybody. Uh, um, at my full-time job, believe me, there's, I've worked with people that, you know, they couldn't even figure out, um, wires to hook up, you know, positive and negative to make a light work, you know? So, and, and, and you know, that, some people just don't like wiring and that's, that's perfectly fine. You know, if you have somebody that will do the wiring for you or at least get you set up, you know, go that route. But basically what I have is, um, on this layout, I have it set up to where I have what's called a double pull, double throw switch. And the switch positions are basically an on off on. So basically in the middle, if the switch is in the middle, there's nothing going to the track. I flip it to the up position and it goes into the programming, like, cause you know, the system. Um, and then I flip it down and it's just for regular operation. Now the key to this, if, if this is something that you either a have been thinking about doing, but you weren't sure, or B, you know, that maybe this is the first time you've heard of it or you've heard about it. And now you want to do it. Um, the key to this is yes. Um, I see this question asked a lot. Yes, you do have to isolate that section of track. Um, you isolate it based on how big of a locomotive you want in there. Um, so as an example, uh, mine, I have it isolated just past the turnout that, that, that lead. The reason why I did that is if, cause I've done this in the past and I've read other people that have, that do this as well. If you have locomotives that you want them, that they're always going to be run, uh, consisted together, you're never going to break them apart. Um, you know, people do roll them or program them the same, you know, the same number and everything. So that way they don't have to build a consist in their DCC system with their controllers. Um, cause some, some systems, well, at least the older systems, I don't know about the new day, uh, new age ones, but I know some of the older systems they would only allow you so many consist, um, what do you want to say separate, separate consist numbers. And at the time it was very limited. Um, and that's one thing I should look up in, on my, my system and see what mine is. Cause, but mine, my railroad, I'm not going to, if I do run consist, it's only gonna be two or three locomotives and it's only a, a two or three, maybe four locomotive consist. And there's only going to be maybe two or three of them. So I, I never got into that, but for the bigger railroads. So the track length is just basically, you know, if, if you're only going to say run two locomotives at one time or even three, you know, and, but you're not going to, uh, uh, program them all the same to do like a basic consist, what they call basic consisting. You know, if you're going to, you want, you are going to break them apart and run them separate, maybe run them in different directions. Then obviously you don't want to do the basic consisting or the easy consisting. Some people call it. So, you know, I would say at minimum, whatever length of track you, you, or how many ever locomotives you think, um, which generally my recommendation would be, if you think you're only going to program, need one locomotive on that track to program, make sure there's room for two. Just make sure you got enough. Let's just go that route. Um, if you think you're going to need two, make sure you got three. So like mine, I know that if I were to ever program two locomotives to the exact same, it would be no more than three of them. I doubt I'll ever do that, but so mine, I have the length and this is all for, this isn't saying you can't lay, you can lay as long of a track as you want there. It's, we're talking about where you're breaking the track apart or cutting, uh, splices in the rail to be able to isolate where you run this program wire. So, um, now getting back to the switch. So like mine is three locomotives long. Um, I isolated mine right just past the, the, the turnout. And now I've got the switch and here's the, here's the best thing. This is where a lot of people, I, and I, I understand a lot of people can get, um, 
you know, uh, messed up with switches if you don't uh, know wiring that well. But on a double pull, double throw switch, um, and this will kind of give you if you if you don't if you don't know exactly what it is, and it doesn't matter if it's a toggle or a slide switch that the 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 piece that you touch to make that switch work that's this has nothing to do with that it's on the back side so a double pull double throw switch will have um a pair of leads right in the middle and then one on each side or each end of that switch uh a double pull or i'm sorry a single pull double throw will be just you know basically it'll just have three pins one in the middle one on the one on one side and one on the other. Um, obviously, in this case, you're going to need the double pull, double throw, because you're running two wires in. Now, majority of the time, and I'm not going to say all, because about the time I say all these switches are all switches, a double pull, double throw switch, somebody's going to find one that is different. But for this type of wiring, hooking up a programming track, it's real simple. Your two middle on majority. Now, this is a majority of these switches. Um, your two middle um, leads, you solder wires on or, or however, you know, depending on the style, um, that will go to your track. And you wire that up to your track leads or whatever, uh, run it up to your track, however you do it. The other two, so you have, say, if you're looking at the switch, you're holding it and the, you see the two in the middle, the ones on one side that are across from each other. So like you flip the switch one way. So basically if you're switch is flipped in the up position so those two toggles or to what uh basically you'll wire solder to those nubs um those one of those will go to your programming track leads and then the complete opposite side at the very end of the other end of the switch that will actually go to your um power so that way, when you flip the switch, like mine is an on off on. So like I said, when it's in the middle, there's no power going to the track. And I wanted that because um, like right now, the only sound locomotive I have is my uh, Broadway Limited 484. And, you know, yes, it's on the railroad, but sometimes I just don't want to sit in there doing it sounds and stuff. And while, yes, I can, I can F8 to mute it, you know, um, I, you know, I just. I don't want to have to throw it into, you know, I don't want to have to take the time to program it, which it's not hard, but um, with the Digitrack system, but I don't want to have to program it in just to hit F8. So it's just easy for me to keep it off. Plus, I feel like if I'm not going to be using that locomotive at all, you know, I, I always look at it with, especially with electronics, if there's power there all the time, or, you know, at least they say you're running locomotives and stuff, you got power to it electronics wear out we all know that so um so and then when i'm ready to run it i flip it in the up position and guess what i can run it like normal you never know that i had a programming track or, or uh, a switch in there um when i'm going to program a locomotive i pull the switcher or i'm sorry i pull the steamer off there run my whatever locomotive is set it on that track put the switch to the complete opposite end guess what i program um i like that idea and from and this is for me because it simplifies things um you don't have any extra track you don't have yeah the wiring may seem more complicated but in reality it's not um while yes you still are adding another element like which is a switch but in the end it's i feel and and, and there again folks it's your railroad do what you want um but like for me it's a lot simpler like I said, somebody could come over and say they want to program a locomotive to run on my system or whatever. They put it on on there. I flip the switch, give them throttle, they program it, and that's done. You know, and then they and then that's the other thing you can do that without handling your locomotive as much. So if you have a completely separate um, uh, programming track, say on your workbench, and that's the only one you have. Um, you know, once you get a program, now you've got to handle that locomotive and take it to layout and put it on there. Well, if you didn't program something right or you want to change, say, like the speed table or something, you got to take it off there. You know, you have to handle it where in this case, once I program it, if I want to take it out and run it, I don't have to touch that locomotive other than initially putting it on that programming or that section of track where it's programming. Because once I program it, I flip the switch and program that into my 
throttle and I can run it um, and check whatever changes I made. And if it works good, I'm done. Um, but if I want to change something, I can just run it back in that track or leave it on that track, flip a switch. And, you know, it's less handling of, especially on something like a Broadway limited, you know, where, or a higher detailed locomotive. So, um, you know, there's, and, and I, I'm not cutting down, like I said, I am no way cutting down people having separate programming tracks. I completely understand why, you know, um, if my setup was different and like, say my little, my work, work area, workbench, whatever you want to call it was in a different room or a different, um, say level of the house, like say it was in our spare bedroom upstairs. Um, yeah, I would have some sort of, you know, like Digitrack Zephyr system or I, you know, something like that, just a, a, an entry level system so I could program. Um, so, um, yeah, that's just, I guess that's just one idea for you guys. Um, if you're either just getting into DC, DCC or, or maybe you've, you took a break like I did for years and years and, and your last layout, you didn't really think about that. Um, take a look at it. I know there's been, I've seen a few articles on it in the past, like I'm pretty sure model railroader did an article. Um, but it's a, it's a great way to, um, uh, have your programming track, but you know, especially if you're on a budget too, you know, I mean, let's face it, you know, track isn't cheap anymore compared to the way it was 15, 20 years ago, you know? So, uh, you know, to be able to spare, you know, to, for me to look at, you know, dropping four or $5 on a piece of say flex track and even cutting it down, you know, not even if you don't use a full piece, um, just as a programming track, why waste that extra five bucks? You know, um, you, you could, you could just, use an existing and you can do this if your layout's done you can even do this just find a section of track that's easy to get to that's you're not going to bust anything you know if you do have to set a locomotive on the track and you know and if you already have feeder wires there the only thing you're gonna have to do is isolate the track you have your feeder wires under that you can do all your wiring under the under the bench you know so anyways so if you have any questions on on that if I made it a little confusing, which I can do some time to time because I do, um, sometimes my mind gets ahead of me, <laughs> ahead of my mouth. So I don't get to, uh, sometimes I'm like, uh, what was, I know I was just, you know, I was thinking of that. And then, you know, that's, I, I do that all the time. Um, I even do it on my full-time job, you know, just, um, it's just when I have something in my head, sometimes I just, I just get that, you know, speedy Gonzalez, you know. Yippee. So, um, coming up after the break, we are going to talk about industry planning. Um, I know we have mentioned it in one of the first couple episodes when we were talking about track work or, or track, like designing your railroad, um, not the actual building of it. Um, I've had people ask me, well, you know, how important is industry planning for your railroad? Um, there again, it all depends. Um, and that's what we're going to dive into. Um, you know, you, I, I guess maybe, um, if you see it from just a normal guy, um, hear it from just a normal guy, that's a normal model railroader, you know, um, maybe it might make you think about a few things. Maybe you'd be like, yeah, I already know all that, or I've done that. Hey, you know, in your case, in that case, great, you know, share with us. Um, but yeah, let us know what you think about DCC programming tracks. What do you do? What do you have for a programming track? If you are in fact running digital command control, um, model railroad talk at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, www.modelrailroadtalk.com, or you can reach out through any of, uh, if the, if the platform you're listening to this on has the option, like, uh, like, uh, we record on Spotify. So, um, I know Spotify, um, you can reach out to us through there, comment under each individual episode, reach out to us. Um, let us know what you think. Um, what, what are you doing as far as a programming track? If you are DCC or, um, what are you thinking of doing if you haven't built your layout yet, or you're in the building process, we'd love to hear from you. So, um, we're going to take a break and when we get back, we're going to dive into industry 
planning. Yep, that's right. Um, so we'll see you here in a short, short while. Are you enjoying our podcast? Great. Um, we couldn't do this without you listeners and all your feedback and um, obviously sharing this podcast. Um, if you would like to support us, um, you can uh, go to patreon.com. Um, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and become a supporter for just $3 a month. There's no added fees um, on your end. Um, none of that. Um, you will have access to every episode at minimum one week ahead of time. Um, we generally upload 24 hours after we record it. Um, there's some uh, videos that we put on there. Just update videos um, of our the Model Railroad Talk uh, layout. And we're looking at adding some more stuff to it. Um, but yeah, just $3 a month. Um, that's all it is. Um, you can also, if you, if you don't know Patreon or you, you don't want to join another platform through Spotify here, um, at the bottom of our description um, of each episode, you click on that link that will take you to a Spotify um, supporter page, I guess is the best way to put it. And it allows you three different support levels. Um, and you, it all safely through uh, uh, Spotify. And the other last thing you could do, um, we do have a Model Railroad Talk uh, PayPal account, which is modelrailroadtalk at gmail.com. If you would like to just make like a one-time donation rather than um, um, a monthly, that's perfectly fine. We use your, uh, use your uh, genera- generous support for upgrading equipment um, and maintaining equipment mainly right now and um but also at, once we get enough uh support built up um we're going to start doing uh purchasing items for reviews and then we will in turn start having um contests whatever uh drawings uh so you as our supporter um have a chance at winning um something we review so thank you for your support and um keep listening And we're back. So after that little break, um, actually gave me a little bit to think a little more into um, our next topic, which is industry planning. So, you know, you might be uh, sitting there thinking, well, yeah, I'm going to put, you know, industries or buildings, I guess, if you will, on my layout. Um. I don't, especially this is kind of more for, I, I don't think this would be for somebody necessarily coming in or uh, coming back into the hobby or obviously advanced modelers because uh, as, and, and no way am I cutting down if you're new into the hobby, no way, shape or form. It's just you, as you build your railroad and, and you learn about the hobby, it's just, this is stuff you pick up through time, right? So, um, you know, it doesn't matter if you have just a little four by eight and we're going to speak just when I talk, when I speak, I just, uh, if you haven't figured out already, I generally speak HO scale is what I refer to, but it's, this goes across the board. It doesn't matter what scale you're in, um, on this subject, but, um, it doesn't matter if you're just, you know, a four by eight sheet of plywood with the world's greatest hobby track plan you know, where it's got a siding and then it's got one, one lead with two spurs on it, you know, or whatever, um, all the way up to massive, massive, um, railroads, you know, um, uh, industry planning is very important. Um, if you are planning on doing any kind of operation, um, you may, you know, you may be one of those that, hey, I just want to put my track trains on the track, watch them go round and round. Great. You know, if you if if your whole purpose of any kind of switching is just to change out your car so you have different ones running around in the circle or whatever you have set up, then this probably isn't necessarily for you. But um, if you if that's what your initial plans are for building a railroad, especially if you're new to this, new to the hobby, or at least new to building a railroad, um, if you have any 
uh, intentions or you're even curious about operation, um, stick around and listen to this. Um, cause it is definitely something that, um, my opinion, um, needs to be thought about. Um, you know, anybody, and, and I, I'm, I, I, I'm just as guilty as anybody else for doing this. And I'm not saying this is right or wrong. Um, I'm more or less bringing this subject up to help those that maybe want to dive into the, uh, operation aspect. And, um, especially more like we talked in the last episode, um, operating or, or interchange beyond the basement that this is where this is kind of important. Um, but you know, you, you have to look at it this way. Your track plan, your layout has to be able to support your, uh, industries. So, you know, as an example, um, we'll go back to the four by eight sheet of plywood with, you know, the world's greatest hobby track plan. If, if you don't know, it's like I just described, you know, it's got a siding, um, and it's basically got a lead off of the opposite side of the siding with that goes into two spurs. Um, that's the, I think if I remember right, the initial setup. Um, so, you know, if, if you're, if you're planning on putting on a big, like grain, huge grain silo on something like that, you have to realize you, you're, you know, on that track plan, unless you want, you know, um, like a caterpillar effect, if you will, um, where, you know, the locomotive is, you know, five cars away from the back of that train that it's pulling, um, you know, which if you do, that's fine. Hey, you know, more power to you. It's your railroad. Remember that always in the end, this is, it's your railroad. Um, uh, you know, you have to think about, okay, how many cars starting out, how many cars am I going to want to run in and out of this industry? So majority of the, if you're going to model a big name, um, facility, you know, you're going to be running in at least, you know, I mean, 30, 40, 50 cars in an operating session, you know, switching out, you know, 15, 20 going in and 15, 20 coming out. So you have to be able to make sure that you have some place for those cars to go. Um, if your intentions are, you know, pulling them off and say, putting them in a drawer or box or something, you know what, that's fine. You know, um, this is more geared for those that put their cars on the track and they want to leave them on the track and actually see them move from point A to point B and so on and so forth. Um, and you know, so you have to make sure your track plan can sustain the industry you want to do. Um, as an example, on my railroad, when I get done, well, we'll just use my industry right now, my scrap metal, because the track plan, I have my track laid for it. I am going to be able to push in and uh, push in because it's got two two spurs. Um, well, technically, there's a there's a third one, but the third one is a staging track where it goes where like the through freight comes and picks it up and takes it to the yard, and then it sends it to from there out to like the uh, steel mills. Okay, but right now I'm planning on being able to put in uh, the one track. I want to say eight cars, so like eight uh, like mill gondolas. Um, the other one, I'm going to be able to do 10 to 12, depending on the length of it. Um, and so I have, and then my, my, um, staging track, I will be able to hold, I think it's like 14 or 15, depending on, you know, there again, it depends on if, is it just a, is it a standard 50 foot gone or is it a 65 foot or, you know, um, I should be able to stage 15. <clears throat> Yeah, 15, give or take, um, gondolas there. So that way when that through comes through, you can take it to the yard. Um, so I planned my railroad. Um, so as an example, the yard that would go to is, is I've got roughly seven foot. Uh, each one of my yard leads is roughly seven foot long. So I know I can fit those tracks into that yard and I will have enough in that space in that yard to where 
um, I can switch them out and get them on, you know, the outbound freight to where the steel mill, you know, which would be for me interchange beyond the basement. So whether it's like we talked in the last episode, I'm physically taking the cars to somebody else's railroad, say like Rob, um, who will be on the next, hopefully the next episode, say he has a steel mill. I will take him off my track, take him over his railroad when he gets a bill and we'll work them in and operate and so on and so forth. And, um, or, um, the Facebook group we talked about where it's interchange beyond the basement, but it's like a theoretical sense, you know? So if somebody were to say to me, Hey, I need, you know, 10 gondolas of scrap. Okay. I will take them, put them on the spur. I have designated for it, pull the loads out, whatever. And when they tell me they get them switched in and they're empty and they're coming back to me and, you know, they basically tell me they're at, they're back to you now, then I'll take them, put them in that, that, that siding or spur, I'm sorry. and switch them back into my railroad that's what i'm saying as far as make sure your railroad can sustain your track plane because can sustain that industry <clears throat> now on a minor level or I, and that's not even a major level major level is like if i was doing like a big grain facility you know um now on a less we'll do it that way a less of a level um i'm going to have um, I know for a fact I'm going to have a lumber yard, not a lumber mill, but a lumber yard there. So obviously a lumber yard at um, any given time, um, they're maybe going to have three or four cars. So, you know, the, the track spur isn't going to need to be that long. Um, it may get, you know, getting all the cars switched out every operating session, probably not. Um, it may end up being one or two, you know, it just depends on how fast that industry, you know, the lumber yard gets them unloaded, that kind of thing. So, um, so that one's an easier one. So like uh, going back to the four by eight world's greatest hobby track plan, you know, a smaller, say lumber yard may be more beneficial to someone with that track plan, may be more fun, more interesting to operate because there's in a sense, fewer cars going in as and and less frequency of the cars going in and out as there would be on say uh uh i would say a smaller mid level like my railroad is you get to bigger club ones well that's that's a whole nother ball game so you know think uh, what i always tell everybody to do and i actually have a list for my railroad um you know i know exactly and even though mine's maybe a yeah, if I had to guess, mine's probably actually only a quarter built as far as the bench work and track right now. Um, cause I'm actually changing up the plan a little bit for the, for the, both the lower and upper level. Um, but, um, you know, make a list and start out, just make a list of industries, um, buildings, if you will, that will receive cars. Um, and don't be afraid to reach out to maybe some stuff you never thought about, like a transload facility. Like I'm going to have um, on mine, I'm going to have a general commodity transload facility, but I'm also going to have a tank um, tanker uh, car transload facility as well. You know, stuff like that, because with the transload, like the general commodity one, um, which will receive any kind of car with the exception of a tank tanker, obviously. Um, you know, you can ship and receive any kind of car there. So, but make a list. And as you are going through your planning stages and you start getting down to the nitty gritty of, okay, I'm ready to build this thing. Um, and, and you start laying your track out and you start realizing I don't have as much space as I thought, or you have more space than you thought, then you can go back to that list and, and adjust it, you know, um, you know, and just make a list of, okay, I absolutely need and want, I shouldn't say need, but want, I'm there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I want, you know, this kind of facility and building. I want this, this, and this. And then the next ones where you really, really want, but you might be able to do without, and then make your third, your, you know, break it down to your third column of, eh, yeah, it'd be nice. These are fillers. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be heartbroken if they weren't, you know, on there. So, um, but goes back to like i said if even if you think someday down the road if you're we'll go back to that initial four by eight oval um track plan you know 
you don't know right now you're building that once you get into it you you may end up that's all you ever want to do and may be perfectly fine it, majority however i should say a larger percentage of model railroaders once they build that first layout they end up wanting more so whether that's you completely tear that down and build a bigger railroad or you use that existing railroad and you add in some extra switches and stuff and just keep you know say adding another four by eight sheet or you add you know you start building you know onto it however you want to do it you know always keep that list because then you go back to that list when you're building but you're probably going to end up wanting to start operating more and and i because i like i'm guilty of it like i've said when i first got in this railroad i never even or model railroading i never even thought about operating i just you know i just want to see the trains run but then i started you know i i was never really heavily into operation like down to doing like timetables and this and this but this railroad i'm kind of in the middle <clears throat> so like i will use a car card switch list setup once it's all said and done um and believe me if you're going to do a car card system my recommendation is um it doesn't matter where you're at right now as far as your inventory for cars um locomotives is another thing you can do them for your locomotives i do just for maintenance purposes but um but at least your cars i don't care if you've got one car or you've got a hundred of them if you're going to do a car card system stop right now with whatever you're doing on your railroad and start filling those out if you have if if, if you haven't already started because i'm telling you um my last railroad like i said i had like 12 1300 rail cars i had three, 400 locomotives and when it was all said and done. And it wasn't until I was two thirds of the way through of purchasing all this stuff and that I realized, oh yeah, I wanna do that. And let me tell you, whether you're using a computer or handwriting, handwriting is actually worse. It sucks having to write all of them low cards, trust me. So um, if, you're, if you're thinking about doing the card card system, look into it. Um, it doesn't matter if you're going to print them off yourself or you're going to buy the pre-made ones from like Micromark um, or I'm sure model railroad stores, some model railroad stores have them. Um, stop and, and stop with whatever you're working on. I don't care if it's a building, your track work, go get yourself the system or start printing them off, whatever you, you end up doing and start filling those out and get them filled out and stay on top of it. Because uh, let me tell you firsthand, it's a pain to try to get caught up with them so um but like i said you if especially if you're new to the hobby or new to building a railroad and you're unsure if you're if you ever think you're going to want to do i'm not going to say real uh prototype operation but you know i mean even even a portion of your operation is somewhat prototypical you know at some point um or somewhere in between you know eventually like a majority of us you're going to want to get into that a little bit more so and then with that operation comes in the industries it's not just about having the coal, you know say all the coal cars or the gondolas or the box cars or whatever you know you need to plan for the industries um as much as you can ahead of time so that way you don't end up a spending a lot of money on buildings um that you don't need on your railroad you know you can Take that money now and put it towards track or scenery or or maybe get um if you're interested in doing like the um craftsman structure kits the wood craftsman structure kits you can spend the little extra money and get one if there's one you know that that uh fits what you're doing um you know and then you know once you get your initial industries you know okay you know from there you can start buying buildings and stuff like that you know to fill in um now mind you like i said this is your railroad you can do what you want this is just kind of my way of thinking on doing this um telling you that you know or i guess in informing you of what i've learned from my mistakes in the past so um because i really don't like seeing people make the same mistakes i do with when it comes to that stuff you know um even when i'm training with my full-time job you know i'll tell some of the newer mechanics like hey you know this is how i found that's quickest for me 
Um, not saying it may be right for you, but try it my way. And then as you learn and you start doing it on your own, you may find a little better way for yourself. But uh, in the meantime, you know, if I'm training you, you're doing it my way. <laughs> but that's my full-time job. So, but with this, you know, yeah, uh, you know, I'm just trying to give you like the newer people into it. Um, some things to think about so you don't maybe possibly make a mistake that you may regret I, or not necessarily regret, but you know, um, I, I just, I just don't like seeing people get in this hobby and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, six months, a year later, they're, ah, it's, it's, it's boring. Or I did this and I wish I would have done this and now I don't know how to change it. You know, that, so that's actually where this is coming from. So, um, like we said uh, about the DCC programming track, if you have any questions, reach out to us, modelrailroadtalk at gmail.com. Or um, you can go to our website, www.modelrailroadtalk.com, um, or reach out through to us through these platforms. Um, so on that, and we'd love to hear from you on either of these. You know, what, you know, what do you have if you're running DCC? What do you have for a programming track? And how do you have it set up? I mean, if you have a better way than like what I, what I have, shoot, let me know. I mean, I'm willing to try something different if, if it's going to make it better, easier, whatever, you know, and same with the industry planning. How do you plan for your industries? Um, you know, or maybe what mistakes have you done and we can share them on our, on our podcast, do an update episode and share them on the podcast that maybe help some new people, um, coming into the hobby. So maybe they don't have to make the same mistake. So, um, yeah, with that being said, we're out of the, uh, um, what do you want to call it? Our, uh, talking list for the day. Wow. I got that done quicker than I expected. So, um, one thing I am going to say, I'm going to bring up, this is kind of, this is definitely off topic. Um, so I have been thinking about this and this is something that, um, I'm going to possibly start offering. I know, so the, uh, model railroad club I, I was, uh, part of, or I was in the process of going through the probation period with them. Um, unfortunately I had to step away for both medical reasons and, and my life was just too busy with too much stuff going on this year. Um, and so, I, so they told me when their open house was and stuff like that. So, um, I am going to start offering, um, to model railroad clubs. Now, mind you, I'm going to need proof if you're a model railroad club, but, um, and mind you also, we are based out of Davenport, Iowa. So, um, and I know we have listeners from all over the world. And, um, if you, so I'm going to say this, if you have either a, are the, the president or you run the model railroad club or you, you know you're part of it and your club would like to get their open house open house out um please let us know um we will we're we're st i'm still working on getting kind of like a platform set up um you know uh, to be able to get it out but um i will do what i can to get it shared on our facebook page and I will at least get it in a few episodes. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I will tell you right now, I'll get it in at least two or three episodes ahead of like your time, like when your your uh, open house is. So as, as an example, um, the Quad City Society of Model Engineers, um, they are in um, the uh, Illinois side of the Quad Cities. Um, so basically Illinois, like Mo, I think, I, I'm not 100% sure over there where the lines are. So it's either Moline or East Moline. Um, but their open house is uh, November 11th um, of this year. Um, I do not have times for them yet. Um, so, but they are on Facebook, uh, Quad City Society of Model Engineers. Uh, look them up. Um, maybe check out there if you're, if you're in the area or going to be in the area. Check them out. I do know, I have to say they... I'm pretty sure they have probably the biggest layout as, as far as club wise in the quad city, Iowa, Illinois area. Um, so 
check them out. But going back to what I was saying, I will do my best to try to help because I always believe in giving back. Um, while yes, right now we have, we do not have any supporters, um, like I guess in a sense, paying supporters for the podcast. Um, um, I believe in giving back. Um, so if you, like I said, if you or somebody, you know, or you're part of, um, model railroad club, I would need some sort of proof, like whether you have a website or a Facebook page, let me know. Um, reach out to me. Um, reach out to us through our email model railroad talk at gmail.com. Um, get a hold of us, um, with the link to it. So we can, you know, we, we got to make sure it's fair for everybody. Um, um, you know, reach out to us once we validate, you know, you're an actual model railroad club, we will be more than happy to put your, um, you know, your open house date up. We'll try to get it in. I can tell you at least one, we'll get in at least one before your date. Um, we'll try to get into a couple. Um, if you want more than that, if you actually want to do more advertising than that, then we can talk about, you know, um, pricing, which isn't that expensive. Um, so, but also, um, with that being said, we have made the, or I have made the decision. Um, while yes, I started this and I'll, I'm being, uh, clear with you guys, you know, uh, open, um, when I started this podcast, I honestly started this podcast, a, like I've said, uh, mainly to get the word. I love this hobby, um, to get the word out and try to help people. Um, but you know, there was a, I, I will say at some point there was, okay, you know, I do have my model railroad business. I just started and to try to get some attention to that. Um, I have made the decision though, to separate those. So while in my first, I want to say few episodes, whatever I did reference it. I think the first episode I did name it, which unfortunately the way I did that episode, um, there's no way for me to go back and like delete my ads. Um, I made the decision to delete all my, um, easy model train ads from there. And I'm going to, from this point forward, not reference it. Um, because I'd like to be able to make this a platform for good, honest, um, model railroad retailers, you know? Um, and I'm not saying like the big, you know, like Walters and stuff like that. And, and I'm not cutting them down. No, no means, but I, I, I want to be able to help the small guy, you know what I mean? And, and it's just, it's not fair to them if I'm, um, if my railroad business is being portrayed through this. So I've made the decision to step away, not step away, but step away with the business from the podcast. You know what I mean? Um, cause I want to give, um, I want to give, you know, um, some of these smaller or smaller or growing model railroad shops, you know, an opportunity if they want to advertise with us and, you know, maybe us help them, you know, drive more traffic or people know about them more. Um, but also, you know, they can possibly help us with our podcast grow, you know, because the, the more this grows, the more it benefits all of us. So, um, but I just wanted to bring that up. Um, so yeah, from this episode on, um, actually I've already went through and all the ones that I could delete any of my ads on for, for my easy model trains. Um, I have done that. Um, so from this point forward, I will not be referencing it at all. Um, uh, and when I talk about like Digitrax, um, I'm talking about it just because that's what I know and that's what I've used and that's what I like. So as an example, and same with KD, um, which let's face it, KD couplers, you know, I mean, a lot of people go KD route, you know, I get there's some that like the Acumate and stuff. So anyways, well, thank you for listening. If you haven't already shut this off, I really thank you for listening to me ramble this last little bit, but, um, you know, so, uh, just remember though. Yeah. If there's any of, uh, people out there that are part of a model railroad club or, you know, you are the facilitator, whatever you want to call it of the model railroad club. Um, we are, um, we are more than willing to work with you, get the name out, get people, hopefully try to drive some, um, people to you to see your, your layout and help you grow or, or whatever you are trying to do for your model railroad club. But, um, but yeah. Um, and then we may at some point, um, get to the point where, um, we may have to do extra episodes during the week to do this, depending on how that goes. So, um, I really appreciate everybody listening. 
Um, next episode, I'm working with Robert. If you remember him from episode four or five, I think it was. Um, unfortunately, his schedule, he works six days a week. So the one day he has off, um, which is Saturday, um, you know, if he's got stuff going, it's kind of hard to get him in here. And I, I, I try to get the episodes done in the middle of the week just so I'm ahead of the game. But, you know, but this week, uh, him and I are trying to plan to record um, episode 12 together. And I think it's going to be a good, fun subject. Um, nothing too serious. But um, so, yeah, um, thanks for listening. Um, and remember, um, it's your railroad. Don't let anybody try to sway you um, until you're doing something wrong. Um, now, mind you, if you're doing something wrong, uh, somebody tells you you're doing something wrong and you're going to mess up your locomotive or car. Okay. That's one thing, but, but in the end, you know what, it's your railroad and, uh, thank you for listening. Um, we couldn't do this without you folks and, um, yeah, thank you. And we'll not see you, I guess we'll talk to you. Yeah, that's better. I don't know why I keep saying, see ya. We will talk to you on the next episode.